the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome aboard Backbone Radio. This Sunday, October 29th, 2023, we're live local action on your local talk leader, Salem, Denver, 710 KNUS. And by gosh, I haven't been in here since yesterday, since last night. Blake, I haven't seen you since last night. How you been? You been staying groovy? Groovy indeed. Back there behind the glass. Bulletproof glass, I think. Nothing gets through there. Good thing we have microphones to connect us. We've got a bunch of new audio clips and some action to go through this evening. I sat in for Randy Corcoran, my brother, my good friend, my fellow troublemaker. And there are new podcasts up for those who follow the podcast, and everybody should, and consider even subscribing to the Backbone Radio podcast. Why not? It's the good action, and you have to have at least once a week, don't you think? It's a little overexposure when it's twice a week. I do apologize when I come on a little too often, when there's a little too much done out there on the airwaves. But once in a while, duty calls, and, you know, we pitch in for one another and help one another out when we're out of town on vacation or doing whatever assignments. And Blake, yeah, was out at Wilco last Sunday doing the concert thing. He was undercover. I didn't know that it was an undercover assignment, but he did make it back. He commented all about the Wilco show last night on the Randy Corcoran program, and we celebrated the snowfall. How are we liking the snow? Kind of puts you in the right frame of mind, does it not? Denver people, Colorado people. That we have listeners all around the world on that podcast and online. South America is kind of launching for us lately, and Uruguay, Brazil, Mexico, a bunch of countries tuning in, Europe, of course, to our humble, tiny little program, which we kind of try to keep quiet. We don't want to, yeah, we want to kind of keep it a little bit below the radar, you know, so we can, so we can say the stuff that needs to be said and I will say one thing that has been on my mind is the potential for World War III. And I touched on it a bit yesterday, but my gosh, um, anybody having a sense that the pieces are coming together, that the setup is in place, and that we're about to head into a big one, maybe World War III and World War IV at the same exact time? Gosh, I think we maybe should be talking about this a bit this evening. And I've been looking at some commentary from different sources and thinkers on military conflicts, and including Douglas McGregor, who is sounding some, some alarming notes out there about what would happen in a World War III scenario in the Middle East. And I think we should at least cover those and review those and see what could be in store for the world, for the Middle East itself, for Israel, if we do end up in, uh, 
what he calls an Armageddon scenario. He says it's getting harder and harder at this point to avoid Armageddon. And I don't know, end times kind of stuff. I know there's a lot of folks out there and a lot of expertise in reading some of those final chapters of the Bible that do talk about that a great deal. And I don't know, maybe some folks will have some thoughts on that. I uh, am on record saying I, I would rather not have the experience of World War III, World War IV. I'd just as soon avoid that at the present time. I think we'd be better off without it at the present time. And so that will be some of the direction of my commentary. But my gosh, have you seen the protests in London? Have you seen the protests in Paris? The protests around the world? I mean, Paris had, they said, over a million pro-Palestinian protesters out on the streets. And that's Paris. Like I've been saying, Paris is not the Paris that you've been to and hung out in the restaurants and tried to order food in your best French from a snooty waiter or waitress. That Paris has come and has gone. It's a different place. And by the way, London, same exact deal. The London of Charles Dickens, Anthony Trollope, Jane Austen, the rest of them, yeah, that's not so much there anymore, and I am concerned that the long history in the West of wide open borders and inviting people in from different cultures from all over the world is making this situation extremely complicated in the West and extremely perilous in the West. And I think you know what I mean. An our wide open border, it used to be secure in the golden era of Donald Trump, but Biden showed up and threw it wide open. And they even have Biden border patrol people out there cutting the barbed wire to help let people in, help them get resettled. It's a profit center for a bunch of the folks in the Biden administration. Get people resettled and get them voting. But that's creating problems, actually, in particular for the United States of America. Everybody, we all face those consequences. And we said, oh, come on, people, you got to think this through. I've been saying that for a couple decades around here. But the Democratic Party in particular is having some interesting divisions in it. And there's a lot of pro-Palestinian people in the Democratic Party. And, huh, Democrats are having this big battle play out in real time about uh, their approach to the Middle East. And the people on top of the party, by and large pro-Israel, but a whole bunch of the Democrat voters pro-Palestinian. Interesting, huh? So the Democrats are having to deal with that right now, and that's contributing to Joe Biden's popularity within the Democratic Party plummeting. Plummeting. He's down to 75%, which is an extreme low within his own party. Nationally, I believe he's somewhere in the mid-30s which is, of course, worse than Jimmy Carter, disastrously low, which, of course, means, you know, uh, Donald Trump looking increasingly inevitable. Oh, but will they find a way to cancel the election if Trump does look inevitable? I want to meditate on that a bit. 
What will the left Democrats ruling class deep state do if Trump has dominated the Republican primary, wins that going away? And he shows up, he's 10, 12 plus points ahead of Biden. Looks like he's going to sweep the table with an electoral college landslide. Not even Democrat operative RFK can stop the Trump inevitability. Then what are they going to do, folks? Do you think they're just going to let an election happen, let Trump win? Yeah. Don't you know the answer to that? Don't you know that's not going to happen? At any rate, oh, this and more. Pence has dropped out. Yeah, we talked about Jane Fonda a bit last night. We might go to that again. The amorality of the deep state. Joe Rogan, by the way, is out there saying, hey, life really was better under Donald Trump. It was really better. And... People are always like, oh, my gosh, look what Joe Rogan said. It's Captain Obvious. Doesn't everybody know that? Life was so much better when Trump was in office. And then someone like Rogan comes out and says it and is like, wow, wow, this is like a revelation. Come on. We all know how much better it used to be, how much disaster and chaos have, have ensued since they found a way to get Trump out of office and by the way, good old A.G. Barr is out there saying, uh, <laughs> uh-oh, if Trump gets in, it's going to all be about retribution. We're going to have chaos out there. It's going to be bad, so bad if Trump gets back in office. And A.G. Barr is acting kind of scared, acting kind of nervous, like he's hiding something. Where are you hiding, A.G. Barr? Corrupt A.G. Barr. Worst A.G. in our histoire, in my opinion. Guy who could have done some good for this country, but instead tried to compound the evil of the deep state. But how much chaos have we had under Biden? You know, I, hey, yeah, it's time to have Trump show up in there and clean house 2024. Clean house. Retribution against the deep state. I think that's fair play. I think I'd like popcorn, sit in the front row and watch that show. Yeah. Kind of exciting to contemplate and think about. But that's why that hard to imagine them actually allowing an election to happen if Trump's going to win it, right? Hey, Matt Down Backbone Radio, be right back. Yeah, we're bouncing around on the bumper music tonight. Why not? We went from actually a French song, I believe by Patricia Cos, <laughs> into Social D with Mike Ness. And so that's kind of like two for one. You get two bumper songs in the place of what would normally be one bumper song. Anyway, glad your ears are here and near. The phone number here, 303 696-1971. Yes, I've been mentioning all the excitement of my new dental practice and 24 years in one place and I have moved my practice. I Well, I have moved to practice dentistry in a new location. And so I'm over there near Holly and Arapahoe Road. And if you look on Google, I think you have to be careful to find this, the new one, not the old one. At any rate, uh, very exciting to start a new practice with some great friends of mine for a couple of decades, some great people, awfully tickled, may I say. And uh, the phone number there is 303-225-7575, 303-225-7575. Should anybody, you know, be requiring the services of a dentist, a fellow who's been at it and paying very close attention to it all for a couple of decades, coming up on three decades, how does that happen, you know? You just get out of school, and pretty soon you've been doing it for a few decades. <laughs> Taking good care of people, I like to think. At any rate, yeah, um, 
that French that French song got me wanting to play this. Do you want to hear what Paris sounds like? This is, I believe, last night. They say a million folks, a million folks pro-Palestinian on the streets of Paris. Just so you hear what it sounds like. Are we able to play that? Pro-Palestinian chants. And, you know, do you think... The leaders of the Western world, the ones who were so insistent on having the wide open borders, having those wide open borders, do you think they're having second thoughts about now? Yeah, do you, do you think they're wondering, what have we done? Oh, what have we done? What have we done? And has that been paving the way to a World War Three scenario? In which, yeah, my goodness, it gets really, really complicated for Western nations when you have that kind of stuff going on in Paris. And you can see the same kind of same kind of videos in London as well. Oh, boy. It, it makes me wonder what we are heading into. And like I said, my counsel is let cooler heads prevail. Be very, very strategic about what happens next and fight for our allies, but yet but yet World War Three, is there a way that we can avoid it, ladies and gentlemen? That would be my vote. Let's find a way to avoid it. And let's get right to the phone action here as I unfurl more topics. Jack Jack, still in Evergreen. Thanks for checking in, sir. I had a text studio last night of somebody saying that they love it when you call in and they always agree with you on stuff, and I thought, no way. That's not supposed to happen, but Jack, welcome. If they always agree with me, they probably ought to check in with their analyst. <laughs> That's what I was I was saying. Uh, maybe I can get a referral I, to uh, somebody I don't, in that field. I don't I don't always agree with myself, and I just spent the day with a bunch of my intellectual friends. So it's always a question. It's always worth probing, and it's always worth talking about. And you're 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 high on the list with my intellectual friends, you and Randy. Honored, are. honored to and hear so that. And so is, and and so is Craig Silverman, although he's absent. Yeah, I don't think he needs to. Yep, likewise, he shouldn't be absent. Likewise, he had intellectual the best, guy. I think he had the best show on Saturday. He had the best show that your station has ever put forward. And that doesn't mean that Craig and I haven't differed and argued for 20 years over different issues, but it's never become a point of contention. Never. The guy's a champion. But yep. Anyway, let me move Agreed. on to what you're talking what, what was the topic? I mean, I've, I've probably had a little too much scotch. What was the topic you were on? Oh, I don't, I don't remember either. And uh, I haven't had any scotch, though, so I don't have an excuse. No, I am, I am concerned about... World War Three developing and uh, like you can kind of see the pieces moving together and uh, not just uh, I mean Israel could find itself in a two front war very soon and a lot of other dominoes start falling around the world and boy could be a big time mess we're going to be dealing with that's going to cause a lot of ripples for our economy our well-being our future. Well, lots of life. 
I might be losing you, Jack. You might have to relocate to a different uh, corner of your mansion. <laughs> Which yes, one? <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. But, uh, yeah, World War Three, and I don't know if you have any, you know, wise guy like Jack here. You Are you thinking that it'd be good to get the end time started here right now, or would you rather put it off a little bit? You know, that's a tricky question, but I think when you hear all these comments about the military industrial complex, you have to split it up into two different categories. Yes, all the people in the Beltway, they suck all their money out of the process of the military industrial complex. But don't forget the the money that goes through the military industrial complex is what protects us from all the scoundrels on the planet. We've got more missiles and we've got the most updated munitions mounted uh, 100 miles north of Denver, all over Nebraska and Colorado uh, and Wyoming, excuse me. And we can wipe every one of them out in 15 minutes. And if they don't understand it, that's the product. That is the product of the military industrial complex, which is going to prevent us from being eliminated off of this planet by the scoundrels that are trying to do that. So if you want to cuss the military industrial complex, I'm right there with, with, with Eisenhower with respect to the, to the fraud and the, and, and the siphoning of money off to the, to the Beltway people. I understand that. That's, that's despicable. But don't ever think that those dollars aren't going to keep us free. That's all I got to say. Well, that's interesting. And I will say this, that that was my attitude as a kid in the Ronald Reagan era, especially, you know, during the Cold War. And I thought, you know, the more money you spend on defense, the better. And I always remember being outraged that somebody like Gary Hart, who was our senator then, would say, oh, we're spending too much on defense and we shouldn't do this SDI thing, this Star Wars thing. But um, but it has I, I've, I've evolved a little bit and I still I'm still with you on some of that, Jack. But yet, what if you have this military industrial complex that is a gigantic profit center, so much so for the beltway that it kind of controls our politics altogether. And then we end up because we have all this stuff and have all these people so eager for war and you get more profit from more war that you get one forever war after another that doesn't keep us safe, misguided kind of stuff, ju- wars that are not just. You know what I'm saying? I-, I worry that it's become a misdirected enterprise of late, and it's concerning. What's your thoughts on that? I understand what you're saying completely. But the, I'm, I'm, I'm a 60,000 feet above uh, the surface person. But what you got to understand is at the same time, is this, that money, those funds and complex has developed systems that, that is going to allow us to be able to swat down any type of an attacker that comes there. We have the power to do that, and that all comes to military-industrial complex. As despicable as it is, as Eisenhower pointed out. And God, they understood this crap, I understand. Yeah, and uh, your, your, your phone is warbling on us, Jack. And, you know, I could understand what you were saying, but it's it's warbling a little bit. But yeah, I guess you would have to say that there is good and bad to the military-industrial complex, and you know, if, Thank you. if some other nation had a military-industrial complex, I'm sure many do, right? And uh, Russia certainly probably has one to an extent, but their economy is not near big enough to have one as big as ours. And oh, there was the there was the wall. 
There we go. Coming in with the snow song from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The phone number here, 303-696-1971. Love to have your thoughts. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of a classic comment from Jack there. That, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, had a, he's had a beverage or two. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so uh, trying to remind him of uh, what our conversation was about. But he's right that uh, we do pitch it a little high here in terms of the intellectual content. And so just one big salute to Backbone Country and that, you know, we're we're not doing the basic stuff, right? Um, just the, the easy stuff. We're doing the more complicated stuff, the more intellectual stuff, the more philosophical stuff. And the goal is to try to get a picture of where we are right now as a nation, to just sort of make sense of all of the noise. And sometimes that cuts a lot of different ways. Sometimes it could be a little bit distressing, right? I mean, look at what's happening in the country. But I think, yeah, I mean, people and, and what, you know, we want to understand what on earth is happening out there and break through the propaganda. And it's so lucky to have a space for that, to get a little philosophical, to go ahead and just be High-end on the intellect, pitch it high, high-end intellectualism, and we bring in the books, we bring in the commentators, that kind of stuff. So that's part of what we are up to, and I think I might save some of the World War III speculation for a little bit more in the pro- – I'm going to put a lot of that together as the next hour comes upon us, Okay. But one thing I, I will say is that it makes sense to me, you've got the establishment – trying to link all this funding for Ukraine with the funding for Israel, okay? And also funding for uh, Palestine. Interesting. And as Stephen Miller says, that America right now is funding all sides of this Middle Eastern conflict. How is that good? I mean, how does that work? That we're sending money to all sides of this. And maybe is that helping create this whole problem, right? Is that helping create... Tommy Tuberville, the senator from Alabama, says, hey, Democrats have caused all these wars. The Democrats have caused them. And, oh, they're getting pretty snippy with Tuberville when he says stuff like that. But he says, yeah, they've caused this stuff. None of this would be happening if Trump was in office. But, boy, I have been pretty ticked to see, you know, the ruling class so obsessed with sending billions to Ukraine. We're, we're coming up on 200 billion sent to Ukraine when we've got a complete mess in this country and the wide open border and all the rest of it. The money is just flying out. Our taxpayer dollars are flying out of here to help encourage World War III. Sorry to get back onto that. I'm trying to save it. J.D. Vance, the senator from Ohio, who's an America firster kind of guy, I think he's articulating the point here that I've been saying from the start. No, you, you can't link Ukraine and Israel, the aid. You've got to separate those. Let's focus on one of those issues at a time, right? And in this bill that Biden wants to get through, $109 billion, uh, over 60 of it goes to Ukraine and only 14 goes to Israel. So anyway, let's hear what J.D. Vance, and I think this this is a great platform for the Republican Party moving forward to try to 
somehow block this Ukraine madness that the Republican Party voters have rejected wholesale at this point. You want to stand alone for Cut Israel. Low. I believe your number is $14 billion. Uh, can you tell us about this plan? And is this going to entail a fight with um, Senator McConnell, who wants the big package proposed by Joe Biden? Well, I don't think it has to entail a fight because the majority of the Republican conference, Larry, would like to separate the packages. Let me just set the table a little bit here. We have $14 billion in a request for Israel. I support it. Probably 99 of my, 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 my colleagues do support it in the United States Senate. It's virtually unanimous. On the other hand, you have $60 billion for Biden's approach in Ukraine, which I think is not in America's interest. Why not have separate debates? The only way you can do that is to separate the packages. There's another component to this Larry, which is the political strategy. What Biden is trying to do, knowing that Israel aid is popular, is he's trying to use it as a fig leaf to shove an open borders proposal down our throats. If you look at the border funding of the supplemental, it has nothing to do with border security. You're basically just facilitating the in-migration of illegal migrants and then transporting them all across the country. We're funding it. That's what the supplemental does. Why would we allow Joe Biden to pretend that he's helping Israel when all he doing is really further opening the American southern border. It's bad politics. It's bad policy. And I think most Republicans won't stand for it. Exactly. You see what Biden and McConnell are trying to do there is they're, they're trying to link what is popular, which is the funding for Israel, with what is completely and totally unpopular and unwanted by the American voter of both parties. And that is all the more billions to Ukraine. And that is what they're talking about on border security. It's actually, if you look into the details, an effort to get people across the border in a slightly more orderly fashion so they can, you know, get resettled and uh, get voting, right? And maybe get on the streets and protest like you're seeing across, across this country. And by the way, there's these large protests in Chicago. You know, I'm talking about Paris is having the protests, uh, pro-Palestinian, and so is London. Guess what? You're seeing them right here, obviously, right here in the United States of America, which is part of the consequences of the longstanding open border and the immigration policy of our elites, right? How, how much sense does that make to anybody? The immigration chickens coming home to roost right now before our very eyes. I don't like what I'm seeing, folks. And we've been one of those voices out there saying, no, 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 don't be doing that for years, for years. But uh, did they listen? <laughs> you just have to laugh. No, no, no. The money people just want what they want. They don't care what the voters want. They just they, they do not care. And they just assume slap you around as much as possible because they, they kind of enjoy that. They actually do enjoy that to the extent that they, I mean, they ignore you and you are neglected and. You are abused and the rest, but, you know, they just as soon slap you around as anything else, okay? You're chattel. You know, you're, you're not fellow citizens. You're not neighbors. You're not part of the same community. You're a nuisance. That's how they look at you in Washington, D.C. And that's maybe partly how you explain what Ken Buck is up to lately. <laughs> oh, man. Any Ken Buck fans out there remaining, or are we about down to zero on Ken Buck fans? And that, by the way, brings me to, have you been following the new speaker, a fellow named Mike Johnson? Did a little introduction of Mike Johnson, the new speaker, last night. 
And I just thought I'd at least boil down the nutshell here tonight in that my my take on it, for what it's worth, is that he's not near as good as Jim Jordan would have been as speaker. And, of course, the Rhino class, they found 20 of them to come completely out of the closet and stop Jim Jordan from becoming speaker. And the word was that Jim Jordan, behind closed doors, was not guaranteeing continued funding for Ukraine. He would not sign on for that, and God bless him for it. Jim Jordan was wanted by the vast majority, almost unanimously by Republican Party voters across this country. It would have motivated and excited the Republican Party to have Jim Jordan be the speaker. It would have been a great setup for Trump as the as the Republican Party nominee heading into 2024. Can you imagine the energy? Can you imagine the excitement we could have had? But the rhino chumps, people like Ken Buck, had to come out there and spike that. Because Ken Buck wants his job with CNN. He's auditioning. Every, every minute he gets up, he's auditioning for that CNN job. And I've really had it with that guy. Just totally. You know, just he's just in your face to his constituents, ladies and gentlemen. And we're, not, we're supposed to just sit here and just, like, take that and enjoy that and be okay with that? No, I don't think so. And he doesn't care if you call his office. He doesn't care if you tweet about him or email about him. All that stuff. They, don't, they don't care. He wants his job. Anyway, Mike Johnson, I think he got in there because he did not pledge to cut off the funding to Ukraine. He, 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 he flinched on the Ukraine business, and probably deep down, you know, he's, he's okay with the Ukraine funding. So I, I think that the real power people behind the scenes still got somebody in there who was uh, pledging to not abandon their obsession with Ukraine, Okay. And that's 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 where why don't I why don't I just bring that out real quick? This is this is this clip right here. Listen to Mike Johnson say it. Listen, read between the lines here. What he's saying to Hannity right after he became speaker. I told the staff at the White House today that our consensus among House Republicans is that we need to bifurcate those issues. I agree with your assessment in Ukraine, and that's why the American people are demanding some real accountability for the use of those dollars. Now, we can't allow Vladimir Putin to prevail in Ukraine because I don't believe it would stop there, and it would probably encourage and empower China to perhaps make a move on Taiwan. We have these concerns. Um, we're, we're not going to abandon them, but we have a responsibility, a stewardship responsibility, over the precious treasure of the American people. And we have to make sure that the White House is providing the people with some accountability for the dollars. And so what Mike Johnson is doing there is the politician two-step, and he's trying to tell Republicans, oh, we're going to get accountability and all those billions we're sending over to Ukraine, but we're going to still send them. But, oh, we're going to be real heavy on accountability for them. So, unfortunately, I am out on Speaker Johnson. And he's, we can't let Putin win, and you, we should, we're going to send the more billions over there when we don't want it. And so that's how he got there. That's how he got ahead of Jim Jordan. That's my take. Sorry if I'm bursting any bubbles there, but that's reality. Little cotton-eyed Joe banjo tune there. Yeah, Blake's wondering, is this a hootenanny or a hoedown? I always get all these requests to play bluegrass music, and that's our first one tonight. We'll see if we can come up with another one or two before the night is out. That's the Ralph Stanley, uh, that's the Stanley Brothers, I believe, before Ralph was solo, having had his brother pass away on him, and 
To me, this is my favorite version of Cotton Eye Joe, but I seem to remember going to the Avalanche hockey games back in the day, and there was a uh, some Cotton Eye Joe song that they would play between periods. Wasn't that Cotton Eye Joe? Yeah, I who, that. who did that version? And some dude would stand up and dance and <laughs> kind of thought that was pretty cool. Hey, that was the full Cotton Eye Joe. We just got the whole song in there. It moves fast. There's a lot of notes in there. They just pack them in tight. Gosh. Do the Stanley Brothers. At any rate, I didn't want to dwell on Jane Fonda, but we had fun talking about Jane Fonda last night. And I know not everybody got to hear because you're not used to be showing up on Saturdays. But just so you don't miss anything too cool. Of course, the podcasts are there. But Jane Fonda came forward with all of her Hollywood wisdom. Hanoi Jane did. And explained some things about her viewpoints about the world. Her world view. And we were talking to caller Jack earlier about how, yes, you know, we are esteemed intellectuals around here. Yes, we're, we're extremely highbrow. And yes, we play bluegrass music, which, as we all know, is extraordinarily highbrow fair. But Jane Fonda fits into our, our paradigm of intellectual thinkers all the way out there in Hollywood. And she, she has spent a lifetime on the left, a lifetime of leftism, and it has gotten her places, right? <laughs> and she has come to the conclusion, and should I steal her thunder, that if it were not for racism, we would not have the climate crisis that we are supposedly having right now, says Jane Fonda. And let's, what if we heard her say it? And she recommends digging into the issues, really looking into things. And if you do, really read and think and put your best intellectual side forward the conclusion you will come to is this one, that racism is causing the climate crisis. Thank you, Jane. You can take anything, sexism, racism, misogyny, homophobia, whatever, the war, and if you really get into it and study it and learn about it and the history of it and the, everything's connected, there'd be no climate crisis if it wasn't for racism. Hear that? So... Maybe this is kind of a, a warning, is that, you know, if you become an intellectual and you start studying this stuff and really getting to the bottom of stuff, and you study racism and sexism and homophobia and all that, if you really study that stuff, you learn that that's where climate crises come from. All that stuff that, you know, humans do to one another, all of those leftist isms, all of those pathologies identified by the left, they have an effect on the climate, apparently, like a dire one, to the point where we might not even be able to have future former presidents get coastline mansions at Martha's Vineyard, okay? I mean, can you imagine, you know, uh, that kind of world? It just made me wonder, um, you know, if... If Jane Fonda has sort of uh, been wasting her time or she's really been paying attention or she thinks that she's really looking into it and all she's doing is like bathing in propaganda. Do you ever, I mean, is that just possible that she just sits around marinating, bathing in the propaganda and you get so bombarded by the propaganda and you think you're really deep, you're really a thinker because 
I don't know. Is she watching MSNBC? Is she watching CNN? Probably likes Ken Buck. When Ken Buck comes on CNN, Jane Fonda says, yes, we get Ken Buck on again. This is awesome. I'm not going to change the channel now. Tongue in cheek, yes. You know this, right? You know I'm joking. Do you know I'm joking? Please don't be taking me too seriously. Somebody was saying that they heard Jane Fonda speaking and they were like, you know, that sounds a lot like Hillary Clinton. That sounds like Hillary talking. It sounds like maybe they they have arrived at the same point in their lives after a lifetime of liberalism. But I did hasten to point out that, well, if Hillary Clinton did the exercise videos, the aerobics or whatever it was Jane Fonda did back in the day, uh, I don't think anybody would buy the Hillary Clinton exercise videos, you know. Maybe Hillary would do a yoga video, remember? Her emails were all about yoga and her daughter's wedding that she sledgehammered and she torched and she bleach-bitted. All that stuff was about yoga. I mean, maybe she had yoga videos in there that she mistakenly deleted because, I mean, maybe that would have been the next big hit is the Hillary yoga stuff. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. But at any rate, just so you know that uh, our kind of intellectualism is actually not quite like the Jane Fonda kind of intellectualism. And we do end up at different destinations. And there is a consequence to people who actually spend their lives stuck in the propaganda and cannot see their way out of it. Okay? There are real world consequences to that. And one of the things that I think we are experiencing, back to the theme earlier, is that there's been decades of propaganda about racism if you want a secure border. Well, um, that's a racist conception. It is racist to want a secure border. Now, in my travels around the world and other places I have lived, other countries I have lived, I will say this, and you go to Asia, various places, they would never, it would never even occur to them to have a wide open border. <laughs> it just it would not even enter their minds that they need to somehow to feel good about themselves be bringing in people from all around the world uh, by the millions and put them in their country. It wouldn't even occur to them. They're, they're not sitting around having doubts about their goodness as human beings because they have a secure border and they just don't let people in. Does that make sense? We have to spend all this time in this country fussing over all of these issues that the leftists have created about, you know, uh, border is racist is one example of it, and all the rest of this woke stuff, right, that uh, we have going on in the country. And then now, all of a sudden, we have a World War III scenario. Israel gets attacked, and Israel is responding to that attack. And then in Paris and in London and in various enclaves around the United States of America, you're seeing the kind of protests that you wouldn't normally be seeing in these kind of countries if this was, say, 50 years ago, right? If this was the country that it used to be, if Paris was the city that it used to be, if London was the city of Anthony Trollope, Charles Dickens, and Jane Austen, which it is most emphatically not at this point, and uh, Paris is no longer Paris. What was the line? We'll always have Paris. Was that Humphrey Bogart or somebody like that? We'll always have Paris. 
Well, I don't think you will. You don't have Paris anymore. And that's because the people on the left have propagandized us to the gills, and we want to think of ourselves as good people. And Trump came up and said, no, 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 we're going to build a wall. We're going to have Mexico pay. We're going to build that wall. And people said, you can't say that. And he said, I'm saying it, and I'm going to win. And he won. Yeah. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.